Hail you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou. And I'm very happy to bring back my frequent co-host. He's been north of the wall for a while, toiling with dragons and what have you, but he's back now. It is Blake of House Stark. Mr. Stark, what's happening? Oh man, just just glad to be back here. It's glad to feel like we got news to talk about. We got, you know. Although I mean, I feel like life's still continuing to turn to normal, but if you watch the news, maybe we're all dying. I'm not sure. Well, the thing is, is we're not all dying, but cases are going up. None of us death, are di- Deaths are not going. In fact, deaths are are going down precipitously. Right, and so. We'll probably get to that a little later. we got lots of stuff to get to today. <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about how maybe optimistic or pessimistic we're feeling about football specifically coming back. But also, I've got a new nickname for Eli Drinkwitz that I want to try on for all of mm. you. And uh, But first, you know, we got a lead... With Tyler Macon. First of all, I think Blake, back on March 16th, all the way back on March 16th at the beginning of this stupid pandemic and this this lockdown, well, we did an episode entitled Tyler Macon, Future Tiger Star? Question mark. And our conclusion was basically, yes, this guy's going to be a star. And we were both kind of just saying, why is he only a three-star prospect? We couldn't figure it out because really it was just basically his height because everything else checked off so i just want to say plenty of room on the tyler macon bandwagon hey does that uh, does that sound familiar to to you does, does that ring a bell for any other high profile missouri quarterbacks we've had come through recently yeah maybe one who was who uh maybe went undefeated won the state title came from a huge high school all that about stuff. six feet tall yeah about six foot yeah maybe wore number 10 went, or to, something. went to elite 11 yeah yeah that sounds familiar yeah oh yeah chase daniel yeah that's a huh. i like that comparison i really do oh it, it just gets it crystallizes a little more and more every day and what a what a thing if, if tyler macon can be eli's you know chase daniel and he can get him this quickly at the beginning and not have to go through you know what well i guess i mean gary pinkle had brad smith but sure but chase daniel is kind of where everything right crystallized for, for right. Gary pinkle so you know if eli drinkwitz gets there immediately and and you know i don't know this kid everything coming everything we hear about him is, is just it's better and better well and, uh, yeah no absolutely uh, yeah everybody seems to be hopping on board with our evaluation here a few months later which i gotta love yeah trent dilfer said macon is a beast so strong and powerful really coachable and then he's talking about macon and this other kid he said he's talking about their correction reps he said that was really impressive he says they asked them to do things they've never done we expect them to fail and it's the next rep that matters. And he said Macon and this other kid Salter really stood out in that thing. And he even went on to compare him to Steve McNair favorably. So obviously McNair played many years in the in the NFL, Pro Bowl player. By the way, in case you're not aware, Tyler Macon, I should reset, East St. Louis quarterback in the 2021 class. So he just completed his junior year going into his senior year here. So a young kid still, but man, I, I just loved – his ability to – he's got a strong enough arm, by the way. We saw in the film he could throw it 55, 60 yards downfield. But just good feet, good eyes, good awareness, good accuracy. Just I really like everything about him as a prospect. Yeah, if you, if you watch the three days, I think, that they do of the Elite 11 camp. And day two, they have a pro day simulation thing uh-huh. where they run them through these, these tests. And he um, – based on the, the official standings, I guess, that the, the, the Elite 11 puts out, they, they ranked him fifth out of the – 20-something quarterbacks that yeah that, that are at, portion, that are that portion. Mm-hmm. and they said that the only real hiccup for him was was on his short passes which to me probably 
is probably just a, a, a thing of him being kind of juiced up and ready to go because they said other than that, I mean, his deep and his intermediate and deep balls were like all over the place. They said he can obviously put you know throw the ball well at all three levels. Um, he's obviously athletic and fast. Yeah, he throws well on the move. Too. Yeah, throws well on the mm-hmm. move. So um, yeah, it's, I mean, to me, he just seems like. I mean, he all seems like a almost like a dream for this system that that I think Eli's going to be implementing. You know, a guy that can can do everything. So I'm I just get more and more excited every day. He just he just put out a little uh, a little clip that came out on Twitter yesterday. Where he was just saying like, "Hey, I don't know if you, y'all are paying attention, but wait till the 2021 20, class from these Tigers get down there. The SEC gonna notice, right? You know, so he's got all the all the swag saying all the right things. He continues to he's very bought in on the whole new zoo branding yeah. and just Mizzou in general. Of course, he's yeah, he, been our one of our biggest recruiters as far as players go. Yeah, he's always like, here, "Here, we got another one coming," and then right. you know, a day later, the the bat signal will go out, and then we get another recruit and. We appear to be in real good shape with his two stud receiver teammates yep. that we, we mentioned them in that. Yeah, Keontes Lewis and Dominique Levette. Yeah, when I was watching that, I didn't even know who those guys were. Yeah. And I, I just, I definitely mentioned, I was like, boy, those two are, they got a couple of receivers that are popping on film too. And yeah, they're obviously getting all kinds of offers and from I think Sunk, big time programs. Sunken said he'd bet a milkshake that they were a package deal to Mizzou soon. So, um, I like I mean, it. So all these things just trending. I mean, Tyler Macon is, I mean, I, I'm like, yeah, no, I, this has this has the makings of a really special recruiting class. And yeah, I think Macon, to me, he's always been the headliner in my mind just because he's the quarterback, the one quarterback of the class. And I just think he's totally for real. And, you know, I did get Patrick Mahomes right. You got to give me that. But, you know, <laughs> I've gotten a few right in my day. And by the way, it's funny you made the Chase Daniel comparison. One thing I noticed about Macon, just seeing him without any pads at the Elite 11 thing, a little bit thicker and stronger than he looks just with his with his pads on. I was kind of going, oh, that seems like a good sign. You know, not unlike Chase Daniel, yeah. who was obviously not the tallest guy, but you know, a fairly thick guy. Yeah, stout guy and yeah. Dur- durable. Yeah, you know, absolutely. No, no injury concerns. I don't think Tyler's had any injury concerns either. Um, yeah, just getting tingles. I mean, there there are guys in the class that are currently higher rated. You know, Ford, the D end out of St. or out of St. Louis. The we just got that four star cornerback from from indianapolis yep. um, dalen carnell yeah, carnell yep. so there are guys that are currently rated above him but you you got to think sure and i know that elite 11 is not run by rivals or right. is not affiliated with rivals or 24 7 sports or any of the places that do these rankings but you got to think that a lot of the guys that he showed up and, and beat out in this competition are rated higher than he is considerably you got to think that head-to-head competition there that that could could only maybe help him be ranked higher. Not that that matters. I mean, he's going to be the player that he's going to be no matter what the number next to his name says when sure. he gets here. I'm not worried about that. But, you know, just for the kids' accolades and maybe the headlines, if if he can actually get a little boost and, and get up towards like a four-star type rating, then he can sort of be the headliner of the class in addition to being the heart and soul of the class, which he seems to be right now for me. Yeah, I think there's I think there's no question he's going to move up in the rankings after this after this camp here. I mean, by the way, the way Elite Evan Elite Eleven does this now, they invite twenty kids to the camp and they end up determining fifty percent on kind of what they see during the camp and fifty percent of what they've already evaluated from their junior years. And well Macon ends up making the, the Elite 11, so another great sign. It just seems like everything is trending in the right way for him. Like right now, he's currently the 748th-ranked player in the class and the 25th-ranked dual-threat quarterback, according to 24-7. I'll just say once again, can we just get rid of the whole dual-threat quarterback? Like I don't understand why, why are we putting Macon in a separate category as compared to, I don't know, 
I'm trying to think of a, of a kid who's – I can't think of any other quarterback recruits. That's not the point. But, you know, like some, I don't know, more traditional, I hate to say it, white guy who uh, stands tall in the pocket and just throws yeah, or whatever. Like, to me, that, that whole – the whole like pocket passer thing is almost just as outmoded as the dual threat. Like you've kind of got to be able to do it all at this point. Yeah, the offenses, you have to have some in the pocket mobility anyway. Yeah, the offenses that are that are run now, even at the pro level, it's not a lot of room for for stiffs. Right. Um, and the, the stiffs that are still effective are, are aging and kind of. And it just kind of seems like yeah, I agree. And it just I don't know the dual threat thing to me, and in, in this day and age, just feels like a bit of a cop out. Like oh, I'll just separate, but that's not how you play quarterbacks though there's one ball there's one quarterback right. you don't like get to well he's our dual threat guy and then we have this other guy it's that's not like really for, how the drew system Locke, makes for instance, sense drew lock gets rated as the pro style quarterback right which is your drop right. back but right i mean drew lock is an is a, is a great athlete in his own he's a four-star sure. basketball player I sure mean, drew lock can run a four five four six right and he can run the ball i mean he's that's not he's gonna He's not much of a scrambler, but right, I mean, but he can, roll he can out, certainly. Yeah, if he keeps the ball on the backside of a read option, I mean, he can run in a straight line. That's for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But anyway, a lot of optimism surrounding Tyler Macon, and also, of course, around Eli Drinkwitz. And I'll give you his nickname coming right up. And yes, indeed, as you can tell, Blake and I are fired up about Tyler Macon. But even more so, we're probably just as fired up about. Eli Drinkwitz, or as I like to call him now, Choir Boy Quinn. <laughs> and here's why, because I really think that Eli is bringing a lot of what Quinn Snyder did at, the, at his early part of his tenure as the Missouri basketball coach, and that's a lot of youth and energy and just a certain joie de vivre. I don't know what word I'm looking for here, but the guy just has a charisma and just a certain something that I believe has really raised Missouri's profile nationally here is going to ma- help them start reeling in some bigger recruits for football. We're kind of seeing it already, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're the energy and the, you know, the kind of injection and just reinvigorating the the fan base and and recruits and all that kind of stuff is is kind of similar to what what Quinn did. I think he's obviously a lot more cognizant of the impression that he's making right. in, his, in his every behavior uh, than Quinn was. I, I think part of that comes from he's probably been sort of an underdog for, even though he's a, a high riser type guy, uh, he was never, you know, he's never a starting point guard for, for, sure. a, for a Final Four team. Very true. Uh, he's never, didn't have the, the, you know, he doesn't have the flowing locks and the male model looks and the attorney, right. you know, I mean, he's not. He's, he's not also a, been married for a long right. time. He's got four daughters, right. you know, so he's, he's, the oldest of which has got to be at least 10. You know, he's something. not as, he's not as slick and flashy as, sure. as Quinn, Quinn was, but I think part a of. A little the, more grounded at this right. point in his life. So I think those are, those are probably good qualities. And the fact that he can, he seems to be, you know, because you look at him and, if, the only thing that the only thing that I would change about Eli Drinkwitz to this date, I, and someone tell me when he when he screws up or does something else wrong other than wearing a visor, like <laughs> the visor, he just come. It's just not a good look, Coach. But it, we can we can get past that. But I'm just saying the Gary guy, Pinkle made it work though. Well, well Gary Pinkle it, <laughs> is a bit more of the uh, archetype for you know what I mean of like what you think of like a football coach. Right. He's older and he's you know what I mean the jaw the of prototype granite. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Drinkwitz is, isn't isn't that physically imposing right. at this point. And so he, he just comes off as kind of – I mean, you would give the impression he was kind of like a, a nerd, like a football nerd. Sure. But he really seems to connect with these athletes and these players. And when he you know, when he talks, he doesn't talk like a nerd. Right. But he just sort of looks like a nerd. So, <laughs> yeah. um 
the fact that he's able to overcome that first impression with just his just really pure charisma and pure personality personality and just and again he's just he's so aware of of every situation that he's in like every interview i think i can't think of a time when he didn't say the right thing and it doesn't sound like it's just canned or right. like it's coach speak it sounds like it's he really means it in his pre- prepared to address it so you know, even with wearing that you know hawaiian shirt on that interview and sure. talking about how he's like you know this is a shout out to andy reed which is going to play well here of course and then you know not dumping on gundy and and on you know on uh dabo for but, but just yeah. be, just being aware like i'm not sure. going to wear shirts i'm not right. gonna, i'm just not going to get caught in a position where where i have to explain myself for something that because because i wasn't cognizant of what i was doing and sure. i know what position i'm in and i know what yeah everything what all this stuff means to these kids and to this right. program at this time so yeah no that's interesting you do have you know whether you like it or not in this day and age you do have to kind of be aware of all that stuff and yeah or, or less the mob may come after you the twitter mob than specifically maybe the media mob too a little bit but and he seems to be a guy that just the mob is just carrying him. You right. I mean, he's just riding atop this wave of. He's definitely no, in the honeymoon can, period right now, can, for sure. Could find a thing wrong to say about this guy, which, other than he doesn't have a lot of experience. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. Interestingly, I think. I think we're both on the same – I know we're we're both on the same page as far as Eli. We were really happy when he got hired, and I think we're even happier today just seeing what's happened. But you know what? For next year specifically, I think you're a little bit more optimistic than I am. You were saying like maybe eight wins this coming season. Are you sticking by that? Yeah, I just – I don't see – so it, it would, I don't know if we want my full preseason breakdown. I'm not going to go into that deeply, but sure. if you look at last year's results – um, everybody projected that team to maybe win 10 games. Sure. I have that kind of ceiling because we had, you know, Kelly Bryant was going to do certain things. You and, and I both said 11, by right, the way, in right. the preseason. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't know that I'll go there this year, but um, the defense last year, I think, performed at least as well as we had hoped, and we retained all of that. All the failings last year were, were on the offensive side of the ball yep. and and on the coaching side of the ball, to be quite honest, with, you know, mismanagement of the game clock and, and in-game strategy and things like that, which are – which. You know, we had hoped that Barry would take a step forward, but he never did. Yeah. And I think that coming in day one, Drinkwitz is going to be better than Barry at in-game strategy and, you know, just I calling agree. timeouts and, you know, running the ball when it's there and throwing the ball when, when it's there and, you know, just, just doing the things you need to do to control a football game uh, that Barry never really came around to. And, I, you know, Kelly Bryant didn't turn out – it's like we don't have Kelly Bryant, sure, but – Kelly Bryant didn't turn out to be what we all thought no, he was. He wasn't good last year, especially whether it was the, the latter injury, half of the season. What, he was just whatever bad. it was, yeah. you know, it, it fell apart. So I, I don't think there's any reason to think that our offense would be worse under Drinkwitz, even if he doesn't have all the all the time, you know, to get right to get these to get these, you know, his this, entire these offense schemes, installed. Like, right, like he's not doing things that that these kids have never done before. That's true. He's still running routes and, and right. blocking, and the language is going to be a little different, I'm sure. And there's going to be every coach has little subtleties that are different. But I'm with you. I think you brought in some experienced receivers. Um, you know, you got Roundtree back. I think you know, I think you know, Sean Robinson is going to be is going to be fine. If not, Connor Basilak will be sure will be fine. One of those two guys will be fine. Yeah, I'm not seeing either one of them as a huge downgrade from what we saw from Kelly the last half of last season. That's no, for I, think, sure. I think probably an upgrade. Right with with the right coaching in, in the right time. So I think it's yeah, I think, it's that, I think easy to see it being. Yeah, an so upgrade. the offensive yeah. side of the ball, I think, will be an improvement from where it was last year. And then I think defense basically. You know, be, we're we're lo- we're losing some important player. I would say 
defensive back, I, I just losing DeMarcus AC and Christian Holmes. You know, we saw when AC sat out against Tennessee at the end of the season last year. I mean, they pretty much threw at will on us. So I'm a little worried about the defensive backfield, but but both know, the safeties are back. Yeah, you got true. Cody Whiteside's back. Right, you got obviously you've Bolton. got Bolton back. Yeah, who's, Nick Bolton. who's as big of a returning starter as sure. anybody in the country has. So I think the defense with the system and, and all the coaches in place. You know, you're always going to have some guys graduate, but I think the defense won't take a, a huge step back. Right. I think the defense should be, if anything, should be solid again. Maybe if it's a tiny bit of a step up. I just don't think this team is going to be worse than it was last year. Yeah. And I don't think the schedule is markedly harder. No, I agree. So I think there's, I think, I think seven wins is is my expectation, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won eight or nine wins. Okay, well, I like it. I think I'd be more like you know maybe the six seven range at this point. But it was we went six and six last year. We fell on our faces. I get it. We lost five games in a row and went six and six. You're right. You're <laughs> I right. Just I just don't. I just. But I, I guess it's I. Not like Eli's never coached a game before. No, I agree. I, I just. I hear your argument, and I certainly hope you're right. I'm just a, a little bit more cautious. I've learned over the years. First year, new coach, college football. It's almost always a transition, but I, maybe it's a good transition, though. Like, like you say, I mean, it's not like these guys have never run a passing route before. But I think, if anything, I'd just like to see and what I hope we're going to see. Just give me time to talk so myself into Derek- nine wins. Just, give, just wait. <laughs> wait till the previous well, episode. I, just, I, was, I didn't like how Derek Dooley, I just didn't feel like we changed up things enough offensively last year. I just didn't feel like there was enough, I don't know, rub routes and just creativity that would maybe just get some of these guys open off man coverage instead of just making them win one-on-one battles every time. I don't know. That's just me. But, hey, well, let's let's actually, on the other side of this break, let's talk about if we're actually going to have football or not. Well, there's certainly been a large swath of pessimism going all over my Twitter feed the past few days about whether football is going to happen or not. Even my old man, who is generally an optimistic guy, he was saying, I don't know if this is going to happen. What do you think, Blake? Are they going to screw us out of football or what? No. <laughs> I don't think they're going to either. I, I just don't see how it's even feasible economically. I mean, if there's not football this year, I mean, what does that even look like? I'm, I'm not even going to speculate, but I guess I guess the main point I want to, <clears throat> I want to make is the big headlines have been how cases for COVID-19 are are going up it keeps the word is spiked but you see that word all the time they spiked or they've skyrocketed but notice that as deaths keep trending down and down and down and down and to me that's the, i don't know call me crazy but actual deaths that's the important number to look at not cases of people who are of large percentage are going to be asymptomatic i want to see people i want to see people not dying i should say but you notice they never say that the deaths when something goes down it never spikes or it never plummets like just that language you can tell there's just a bias toward increasing panic and fear in my opinion and i just would caution people not to fall into that trap really look at deaths if deaths start spiking up then get worried that's my advice well then you know the reason for the increase in the number of cases obviously is is more tests are out there sure. so that you're going to have more people testing positive but it's it's the young people you know 30 and under are the ones that are testing positive at a much higher rate now and these people just don't die from this disease virtually no um i yeah. mean i saw a stat the other day that like literally the number of deaths from people at 19 years of age and younger is statistic it's zero yeah literally zero yeah. like 0% of people die from it. it doesn't kill anyone right and these college kids are at that age, so sure. You, I, I do understand that it's not 
just the college kids that are impacted by this. You're going to have coaches that, you know, sometimes in cases are a little older. You've got coaches, you know, people's families. You've got, you know, you've got the people serving meals at the at the facilities. You've got trainers. You've got all kinds of people that are involved with the program. But, you know, it's I just I just don't think it's th- it's not that dangerous to these these populations of people, and and I, I think you know the kids the kids want to play, and the universities have to have them play. Um, I mean, you might their athletic departments will be folding all over the country if there's oh, a God. college football season. I mean, it may happen here. Will. We may not have athletic department at the University of Missouri for a while if you have to shutter the football stadium. I don't even know what that looks like. I mean, certainly multiple other programs would be taken down without question i mean just all the non-revenue sports quote unquote i mean every single one in the country would be on the chopping block potentially i mean it'd be really really horrible like if you like college athletics if you value like women's college athletics for instance i mean you should absolutely not want this to happen i mean there's just so many side effects to to all these lockdowns and everything i don't know it's just a i just want to go out i know we're we're getting a little bit into the into the time here at the end of our time and just one thought here to go out on i just noticed a couple years ago somebody did a reminder like hey remember two years ago when we were all worried about net neutrality remember that whole thing well net neutrality went away and all these scaremongering predictions that all the people the same people today who are worried about covid19 were worried about net neutrality and that we were going to have to pay $20 every time we logged on to facebook you know you saw that kind of stuff circulating well none of that happened none of it in fact that all of that fear internet got cheaper <laughs> all of that fear was completely unfounded okay now i'm not saying that covid19 doesn't exist but all of this extreme fear and panic, at least in Boone County, for instance, just to pick one place, I think we've had two deaths in Boone County. It's going to turn out to be unfounded, I think, Blake. I just, I'm sorry, we've, we're doing this to ourselves, and I don't want to sound like a broken record here. So I'll just let you have any thoughts before we close this thing out. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts. Sure. I, I don't want to turn this show into, you know, into, you know, a soapbox or, or of anything. Um, but it's, yeah, I agree. You just, the, and lockdowns are never intended. They're not going to cure the disease. And I don't think anyone will tell you that it's going to cure the disease. Yeah, it was always to flatten the curve and not overwhelm the hospitals. That right. was the point and originally. Yeah, so you you can't shut everything down, right. and and then it's not just going to go away. I mean, this the the this real the reality of the situation is that this is a new pathogen that's infecting the human species, and it's going to work its way through the species. And you see this thing when they when they come in, it it does it does affect the you know the the vulnerable members of the species first, right. and that's why you see these, the deaths are. You know, and it is scary, and you, no one wants grandma to get sick. I know that's been thrown around like you're going to kill grandma for sure. You know, to not wear a mask or whatever, and that's. I don't want to be trite about that, but you you do want to protect the vulnerable members of society, but right. you can't squash the the livelihood and the you know and the. Well, other people's lives are constantly, you know, if you're shutting down, you're forcing people to shut down their businesses. I mean, this is having massive effects on people's mental health and relationships and, you know, drug addictions, addiction deaths and suicides are are way up right or significantly up right now. And that's just something you're not supposed to talk about. But I don't know. I think it all matters. I think it's something you got to look at the whole thing. College sports is a gigantic domino. I mean, we're we're not just talking about you not being able to watch football on saturday and that's that's like the big sacrifice i mean there are 
millions of livelihoods that are attached to college. I mean, there's whole industries, sure. you know, rivals. Is it, there's right. nothing for rivals to do if there's no college football. Sure. You know, all the, the journalists, you know, we're already seeing small papers, newspapers and things like that are folding because of this. So right. you lose sports, you lose all the affiliated businesses with sports. You know, there's, there's, there's marketing companies, there's apparel companies, there's, you know, there's the food service companies. I mean, it, it I was just goes, say lots of, it just I, goes I on down. and on and on and on and on. All the people that be impacted by this. So you can't, you can't do that just out of, you know, you have to respect that we want, we do want to keep people healthy, but you have, but keeping help people healthy, it, if they can't eat, there's, you know what I mean? Sure. If, if they're, their livelihoods are destroyed, there's. Well, it's this whole, it's this whole safety first mentality that we've gotten into. But the reality is, is we make choices every single day in our lives, trade-offs for safety to, for things that are frankly not that important, like entertainment, you know, people, it's like, oh, it's just football. Like to me, for some people, college football is life, essentially. Like, I'm not, that may sound a little extreme, but my point is, is that a lot of people quite literally life is. is, life is more than about avoiding death. Life is about having experience and actually, yes, living. You can't just exist. You have to get out there and live. And man, for me personally, and I speak for probably everybody in this audience, sports is a huge part of my life. And I really feel a huge void in my life right now. I really do. And, yeah, of course, I don't want to, you know, take a massive chance of death just to go watch a football game. But, you know, I don't feel like that's what I'm doing when I get in my car, for in- instance. Or and, and by the way, if, if Missouri decides that – I've said this before, I'll say it again. If they decide they're, that you have to wear a mask to, put, to enter Faroe Field this fall, I'll be wearing a mask. Fine. I'm not going to be that big of a baby about it. I'm really not. Well, I just think if – if the kids are you're not going you can't force these kids to play if they feel like they're not safe. Of course. You can't force these coaches no. to coach if the coaches feel like they're not safe. Of course not. So but as long as the the participants are willing to participate, I don't think that you should have outside sources telling them that they can't do this. You can't tell this these 18, 19 year old kids to put their careers on hold with when they're willing to do it and there are plans and precautions in place for to take care of them. So just don't for optics or or whatever reasons that that this thing would be shut down, if the people are willing to do it, people that are involved and at the ground level, and the fans who are and willing, the fans to are willing go. to support it, yeah, then you just it has to happen, and we'll we'll figure it out. I mean, if there's any place in the world that can figure this out, it's it's this country with the resources that we have, and and we and ingenuity sure. that's here. And just just let us figure it out. Like we don't have to. Don't hide from this problem. Like tackle it and figure it out. And let's let's all just can let's all just live. I mean, let's let life happen, and and it'll, we'll get past this. I agree. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think I think that's a great note to go out on. Well said, Blake. So speaking of well said, you want some more well said content? Check out our buddies over at Locked On NFL. So until next time, for Blake, I'm John, and this has been Locked On Mizzou. Thank you.